I'm no fucking Buddhist, but this is enlightenment. Hello, hello. Welcome back to In Five. Uh, my name's Edward Thomas, an appreciator of music, or should I say somebody who is trying to appreciate music in all its forms. Uh, I am today joined by Josh Gemmel, a.k.a. Jacques-Alais Sean. Thank you for coming on again for the second time. It's a pleasure to have you back. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you for inviting me back on your show again, Ed. It's, uh, it's great. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Like- I feel like I'm the resident weirdo for your thing. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? There's not wrong with that. As we shall be talking about for an hour and a half today. <laughs> I mean, could, would you care to maybe go into a little bit of detail about what uh, Jacques Sean is all about? Jacques Sean. Okay, so Jacques Sean is my drag persona. Um, it's kind of like, Club Kid Lee Bowery inspired sort of weird clown thing that I've created. <laughs> and um, also, um, I do poetry um, under that alias sometimes, on not sometimes, if I can't, if I can't be bothered with the makeup prior. <laughs> and uh, uh, also, I'm, I'm getting in the mood of uh, making music, which is, mm. which is like just so happens to be. Uh, somewhat inspired by Bjork and her work because I just like weird electronica and she's one of my inspirations. <laughs> well, I mean, you were you were playing me something you were working on uh, just the other day, and um, well, it's uh, what can only be described as a, a sample from a very very old recording of Gershwin that has been sufficiently manipulated to sound completely unlike the source material. And it was very, very cool. Uh, I've still got lots of things I want to do with it. But uh, yeah, if you want to put a soundbite in. Uh, there are there are links to various resources uh, in the uh, in the show notes. Now, Josh, tell me yes. why you suggested that we uh, we have a closer look at the the career and output of Bjork. Because she's done a lot and it's very different, and I feel like there's a lot of unexplored areas of Bjork because. Most people know her as this sort of 90s singer. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> when this, she does, she's changed so much since then, but she's still arguably Bjork still. She's not like diluted her style or, you know, she's still the same person. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. She's, uh, I mean, I pr- it perhaps helps that what, people know as her debut and what is known as debut, the 1993 Mm. uh, solo record, is far from her first um, album uh, as a musician. And uh, Josh? 
<laughs> dabbling. Yeah, so she's done a bit of dabbling. Um, some some bands I'm aware of, some bands you're aware of. But, so, but anyway, she's done a she's done the she's in Sugar Cubes, which was a like an eighties um, post punky sort of like rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, bit bit of jangle pop, you know. Bit, yeah, bit yeah. Of jazz um, pop. She, did, she was also in a, a jazz duo and she did some nice vocal jazz. Mm. And she also had a, a weird kids' album. So she basically did her own little. When she was 11, she did a 1977, she had the record out. And like her voice is nowhere near as good as it is now. And I, it, and I don't think like Bjork now is her, I think she's past her peak in a way with her vocal ability. Um, not to say that she's bad now, but mm. when she was younger, like you you couldn't really tell it was the same woman, to be honest, because <laughs> she's just so young and underdeveloped with that vocal Yeah, I mean she hadn't she <laughs> I think she'd yet to come in contact to her sort of formal stylistic influences mm. yet yes. that helped sort of shape her. if you don't know very much about her, I think most people would say, even if they don't enjoy her output, there's no one that sounds like her and you can't yeah. mistake her voice for right. anyone yeah. else's. Her voice is just iconic. There's only mm. one album which I feel like it's so downplayed, it's not there. And I'm going to be trashing that later on. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did mention the fact that you felt that this might be a little bit uh, spicy for people in terms of some of the takes here. Maybe. maybe. Um, <laughs> certain individuals, like I think, I'm not going to name any names, but it basically said, oh, these two albums are my favourite albums of us. And the, the albums in listed with two albums which I saw the most problems with. <laughs> so, uh, well maybe be... that maybe that just says there's something for everyone in Bjorn. Yes. Yeah. Like one side yeah. of it. I mean because it I honestly I thought you know what I'm not I'm not never really sure if I could play some Bjork at the dinner table with my mum because I was uh. staying with her recently for a while. <laughs> and uh, and I thought Do you know what Here's a pun, and I put on Glinglow in the background, and she was like, "Oh, well, that's a shame she didn't do more jazz stuff, actually." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I guess you're right, because yeah. to be honest, Glinglow it's it's not one of her great albums, but she's bloody good at doing she's vocal good... jazz. She really is." And like, even though the covers are a bit unusual, I think she covers it really well. Um, I can't help loving that man. Mm. She has a, a lot of diverse output, and I think you can. There's a, there's an album for everybody, um, but uh, 
I think my, my, some of my picks might be a bit controversial today. <laughs> well, I guess you could say the same about mine because uh, I, I know this much. We don't know each other's choices yet, but I know that there is one record that I think we both agree is somewhat overloved of hers. Um, but anyway, haha, moving on before we get too much into the uh, the <laughs> yeah, down and dirty. <laughs> that can happen later on. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, but just to oh, note that um, we decided between us that uh, this is really just going to cover the solo records. We're not going for super cubes, sugar cubes, or <clears throat> tapi tikaras. Like, I've never heard of that name. So, like, well, I mean, they did like an EP and an album in the early '80s. I literally okay. heard them for the first time this morning, <laughs> so I'm far <laughs> from an expert. But basically, we're going to be covering the stuff that's <laughs> the Bjork or just a direct collaboration. Mm. Um, that does include the soundtracks, if we want to include the soundtracks. Mm. It depends. But um, yes, I, I might not know him, but yeah, like, well, I mean, there's, there's the two big ones. This, um, yeah, well, as is my understanding, there's Selma songs, which I really mm. like actually, um, which was music for the Lars von Trier film Dancer in the Dark. Mm. Um, controversial, <laughs> sorry, you heard the you know the drama behind Dancer oh, in the Dark, yeah, far better. Maybe his hands like to wander. Yeah, the other one, which I doubt either of us is, is going to mention. I don't know, maybe you'll surprise me, but there's a the soundtrack to Drawing Restraint, number nine. It is basically, <laughs> if you imagine, the kind of quote-unquote weirdest, most soundscaping Bjork stuff and get rid of all of the melody, mm. that's what that sounds um. like. It's it's just, you know, it's it's background music for a film and I don't think it should be appreciated outside that. And I don't appreciate it outside it, sure enough. But okay. um, um, <laughs> Well, I'd just like to say on my end, I purely just focused on a studio album output. <laughs> so well, I, 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 I just, I, I thought you were going to trump me on, on that and you, you no. would have like thrown some wild cards out there. But no, I, I, I am, all of my choices are from the mainline releases. So that's uh, <laughs> really, really not problematic. I'm going to pause the podcast and be just like Google something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully that won't be necessary. In fact, it might be more necessary to me because, um, yeah, my first, um, I mean, I remember Bjork being huge when I was younger. I mean, I, yeah. I am a little bit older than Josh and I remember um, her just break. <laughs> <laughs> Not too cruel, please. But um, I think I was nine when Post came out, and that was like, I think you mentioned earlier on she's seen as this very particular uh, singer from the 90s, and I think the idea that people have of Bjork pretty much is Post. Yes. Uh, for numerous reasons. For better or reasons. worse. Yeah. For better or worse, should we say. Yeah. And I, I loved what I heard from that more particularly one of the very first singles I bought, I think it might be the second single I ever bought was it's oh so mm. quiet by Bjork. Uh, for when I was nine, I loved that song. <laughs> um, and I also later on, um, this really isn't, you know, it, this, this is not meant as a sort of humble brag or anything at all. I won a karaoke contest singing that later on. <laughs> 
having firmly wow. lost it doing a serious rendition of, of Billy Joel previously. Somebody signed me up for it to sing Bjork while I was on the <laughs> toilet. And then um, and then they said, it's like, and Edward Thomas singing, it's all so quiet. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, but uh, well, anyway. It's a very fun song. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. Yeah. I'll say it's fun. But yeah. Um, but yeah, and the thing is, I lost. That's where I lost track with Bjork. I think after, because the hits weren't as big after that. Mm. Um, but I realise now that her critical um, appraisal kind of only improved from that point. Actually, mm. like the next two yeah. records after Post are arguably her two most critically well received. Mm. Um, but that's where I lost. Uh, I remember Bachelorette, that was a pretty big hit, but I don't yeah. remember much else. And so I feel like I have had to introduce myself to most of the rest of her catalogue more recently. And I'm very pleased that I did because I realised that I think I probably, a lot of my favourite music of hers actually comes from post, 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 actually. <laughs> post, post. But enough of this preamble. I mean, um, okay. Josh, where, 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 what was your introduction to Bjork? This is going to get really obscure, but I suppose if you're dealing with Bjork, it's kind of all right if it gets obscure. Okay. Um, back when I was at university, so many of my music introductions happened at university mm. um, because I think prior to that, I didn't really pay that much attention to it, what was going on. But uh, there was this YouTube channel that did... Uh, Parody redubs of German holograms. Okay. And it was called Jizz. <laughs> and in one in one in one episode, they, they do a lot of the uh, song parodies. And in one episode, they chose two Bjork tracks. And one was It's So So Quiet to parody. But then the other was Hunter mm. from uh Homogenic. And like it's also quiet. It's it's kind of a pop sensation. You know what it is when you hear it. Hmm. Um, but Hunter blew my socks off. I was listening to it and I was like, what is this? Like I know she's singing a parody of it in a stupid YouTube channel, but it like what is this track? So I listened to Hunter, and that's probably my first exposure of listening to yeah, it came from that parody of Hunter. Hmm. And and uh, you know, Hunter's such a good song. Mm. It, it mm. really is, and it's just like that the string and the, the 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 string composition and the 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 synthetic drums and things like that. It I has just, a I really icy it. quality to it as well. Yeah. It's kind of. I, I mean, that's one thing I'll say. It's kind of. It sounds that is a record that still sounds very fresh today, homogenic. But at the same time, it kind of it's hand in hand. I think with records like OK Computer or Mezzanine mm. or something that had this yeah. almost chilly, proto glitchy approach, mm. where you know that that Britpop was dead basically, conclusively, yeah. and. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, um, I think that's partly what perhaps put me off a little bit ho homogenic when I finally got round to listening to it is that it's a lot less friendly <laughs> than... Um, there are friendly most. elements to homogenic, though. There I are. Think. I mean, the thing is, I love it now. I, I, yeah. I, I love homogenic. It's grown on me like a, you know, a, a welcome fungus. 
<laughs> what an awful metaphor. But anyway, uh, but at the same time, I think it was just kind of, it did have this chillier character mm. and she was a little more, I mean, her vocals are great, but she was a little more restrained with them. Mm. And I think that... It's like with Hunter, she's like, for huge parts of the song, she's not actually singing. She's talking. Yes. She's saying, you know, you could smell it. You know, mm. and, and things and like, she's not belting it out. When she does belt it out in Hunter, it's incredibly powerful. Mm. But huge chunks of that track, she's not even singing. No. But... <laughs> Which is an, it's just a bold way to enter an album. You think she'd, mm. em- you'd, she'd introduce it with some of the, the bigger hits, but no, yeah. that that very much you know stakes out the fact that she's she's about the big picture now. She's yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I should get my get the housekeeping out of the way, and then we can get on with this. Yeah, so I, I keep I keep holding up proceedings to be honest. But um, right, uh, the standard format of the show uh, for those who are just joining us who aren't familiar, uh, welcome. I hope you find this edifying to some degree. I hope I don't bang on too much. Right, we're going to pick five songs. And basically, it is going to act as a sort of heavily abbreviated representation of Bjork's complete career and output. Uh, As if we were presenting it to somebody who knew nothing about Bjork, had about 25 minutes, and wanted basically to know what the artist was about. And to that end, we've got five song categories. Uh, The first song that we're going to be looking at is the song we feel represents her influences best, the the artists that shaped her. Uh, The second uh, will be our song pick to represent her archetypal sound, should such a thing be possible. Uh, The third, our song pick to represent what we feel to be her best elements. Fourth, inverted, our song pick to represent her worst elements. Uh, It should be noted that those two aren't to be confused with her, what we feel to be our best or worst songs necessarily. And finally, for the fifth song, will be our song pick to represent where she is now. Yeah. Right. So, without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to you, Josh, to suggest what tracks might represent her influences best. Okay. Um, So... (sighs) Some of these, two of these, I've got three choices. I try to think of three options for each category. Um, two of them make a lot of sense, and one of them is kind of a push. Um, <laughs> um, first influence, I'd say, um, would be uh, Massive Attack. Mm-hmm. I personally think, like, Massive Attack with... I'm basing this a lot around electronic music because I feel like Björk was, I think when she was making debut, it was almost like a reaction to like Britpop and grunge and things like that. And she wanted to look at the expressiveness that dance music was doing around the time. Mm. And I think, you know, one of the albums which shaped her um, was Massive Attack's Blue Lines. Mm. And in particular especially when you listen to Debut and Human Behaviour and possibly maybe from Post, I I do get a lot of vibes from Massive Attack with those tracks, in particular to um, Daydreaming Mm. from Massive Attack. Like Daydreaming is basically 
human behavior when you listen to the drums and the the like the sort of raw almost tribal aesthetic to it it's also got some of the dreaminess of uh, <clears throat> venus as yeah. a boy as well to it i yeah. think yeah. yeah i can see I can that, that. I feel like that would have been like the sort of dance music she would have been listening to mm. um, when she was like first starting up because like I think I remember saying in an interview that like you know, most of the dance you hear played is kind of crap but the, the stuff that I like to listen to is like the weird stuff that a DJ plays like an hour before the club closing and things mm. like that and I think that's what she would have dug. Um, <clears throat> another, this is the weird option free to disagree with me but Bjork is also a really good pop singer she knows how to make a good pop hook mm. but she also does it in a way that's a bit left field mm. and that is why when basing off dance music that would have influenced her Groove is in the Heart by Delight oh Oh, I can hear that. Yep. Yes. So I, I see that in I Miss You, like uh, Crying of um, Debut, More to Life Than This. It's like eccentric elements, like like Groovers in the Heart has slide whistles and, and bongos. And you've got that sort of like, I hate the term, but you've got that sort of like world music influence of like having all this variety into a dance track. And also the... The vocalist from Delight, uh, Lady um, Lady, Lady Miss Kier is her name. Um, she's got a sort of eccentric but powerful sort of persona. I, I see so many, like, I I know it's weird thinking Groovers in the Heart influenced Bjork, but I do honestly see it. <laughs> I'd never considered that, but I think you're right. You said it, that debut can be seen as a reaction to perhaps grunge and, and these sort of, mm. you know, uh, I mean, thank God for that. I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's, it, it is a genre I struggle with a lot, grunge, but um, but it's not just in terms of sound and the possibilities of dance, it's in the character as well. I mean, debut is yeah. a really up album, a lot of mm. it. I mean, it goes, it goes in stranger places towards the end, but it's it's got it's sort of youthful energy for all it's worth. Whereas it kind of, it seems like the youth were deliberately curtailing themselves in things like grunge. Also, I mean, for influences, I, 
I can see his influence on her with her later stuff, but it's kind of mainly because I think he's influenced so much of like modern electronic music anyway. And I know we did him last time, but Aphex Twin. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, in particular, Pancake Lizard from uh, uh, Donkey V Barb EP. And it's sort of like the, the sort of like classical elements mixed up in abrasive sound which I do hear a lot in BX's latest stuff. notes can be really confusing and might throw a lot of people off i personally am siding more groovers and heart from my perspective that was eccentric but then it was also had character and soul and hmm. persona which i don't you don't get that with apex twin you That's... get like character in like <clears throat> you get character in the the, the weirdness he does hmm. but he's not a diva whereas hmm. Grooves and Delight, you know, Lady Miss Keir was a diva, but she was a weird diva. Mm. And I just, and the basically the obvious influence, I don't think is that much of an influence in comparison to what Delight would be. <laughs> well, and I, your options. <laughs> no, that, that's very convincing, I think. <clears throat> um, I mean, as I say, I mean, I think you've done bloody well to tie it down to some very specific uh influences i mean once again i've done it like the flip way around where i've looked at the the bjork's tracks that show her influences but i kind of i think i actually might prefer your way of doing it more i think in future i actually might spin it round so that i do yeah. go more generally back to selecting tracks by the influences as it were but um but just because it's basically what I've done <laughs> already, I just picked a a couple of tracks uh, from Bjork's own that sort of uh, that suggest very broadly and her, her influences. And I mean, to be honest, I am going on far more surface level stuff than you here because I was looking back <laughs> through. Um, Sorry, I just think I think that. She's so idiosyncratic and she came in with debut. I mean, although that obviously wasn't her debut, um, having her own character essentially quite yeah. well formed, mm -hmm. that it is quite difficult, I think, to just pick out the influences from there out of the air, mm -hmm. really. And so much comes into play um in her music that i did I, I was basically looking at like wikipedia articles and interviews and things <laughs> to see either what she said or what other people had described and there were a yeah. few key ones that came up that i sort of could hear uh she's always said she's, she's loved ambient music you know eno and things like that which is another shared influence with apex twin actually yeah big fans of ambient music she also said she was on the electronic tip and i think also Delight kind of came out of this scene as well. Is yeah. uh, again like Aphex Twin. She was she sort of fell deeply in with the kind of late eighties sort of Detroit 
you know, house mm. and, and and techno sort of scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple of others, which might seem a little more obvious, but by her accounts were huge influences, perhaps not always stylistically, but in terms of their aesthetic and their attitude. Uh, Joni Mitchell, she said herself, it's kind of like was a huge influence in terms of, mm. I think, just her own sound and her own character and this sense of sort of this irascible individual yes. force. And I can see that even though stylistically I, you don't, I don't hear very much Joni Mitchell in what she does. I think it was more the attitude uh, and Kate Bush, perhaps a yeah. little bit more. <laughs> I think, I think if you wanted like the archetype for a female artist who could be successful without mm. compromising, yeah. In, a, in the music industry and have hits without compromising. Mm. Kate Bush. Kate Bush, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think there are other elements that have carried through that they have in common, more so than with Joni Mitchell, mm. I think. But um, looking at the house stuff and a little bit with the her obsession with ambient and sound effects yeah. and things like that, uh, there's more to life than this off debut, yeah. uh, which is very kind of house. I mean, it's deliberately mm. supposed to evoke a club. I don't know whether it, as the, the track description suggests, it was actually recorded in a lavatory or whether that was a bit of studio doctoring, but it is a bizarrely a song that is simultaneously a straight-up kind of dance banger, yes. but it's also, in an almost punning way, obsessed with ambience, although it's the ambience of a toilet. Yeah, uh, and the other one I picked, which really uh, I wouldn't expect normally to put in an influencer thing, is off her very last album, actually, mm. Utopia, um, which is perhaps her most ambient album of the yeah. lot. It's not; it's less dynamic, I would say, that album. It's more interested in sort mm. of more cyclical, bed-like mm. stuff. She did mention that the way she wrote Utopia, the last album, her longest and most, you know probably conceptual record with the possible mm. exception of biophilia um is she would walk around uh you know go for long walks and just think of the melodies mm. as she was walking around put the melodies down and then do like flute and string arrangements behind that yeah um and so it does have this idea that it's kind of it's a backing for something that's quite stable and and, and, and personal but one thing, as well as having the ambient aspect there that I think connects her back to Kate Bush as well, is not only this fascination with soundscaping, because Kate Bush always was experimenting with electronics and with the use of, of, of unusual samples and things, you know, even before she she started using the, you know, the drum machines and stuff, she was using, you know, like gun samples for percussion on army dreamers and things like that. Yeah. But in what was right out the gate with Kate Bush was this almost what was seen as a time, very hippie ish idea of kind of this holistic uh, yes. earth person relationship and the, the, the 
this is sounding quite pretentious, but this. Sorry. Do, you, do you get where I'm coming from here? I do. I do. It's got like an Earth sort of Child like... vibe that's yeah, very it's... much Bjork has come back to. Mm. Um, and I think certainly on Utopia and on Biophilia is there is this sort of interconnected idea of the self and the feelings of the self mm. with nature itself and Utopia being an album that is about. It's apparently, I'll put it this way, it's not all that clear. Apparently it's about uh, women finding security uh, in a sort of a utopian, like alien world away from the patriarchy. Sound of Utopia. I think it's like, I think anyway. We'll focus on that later on. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, but um, um, it's it's. I mean, I can understand why people struggle with it. It's not perhaps mm. the most memorable in terms of song for song, but I don't necessarily think it's supposed to be. <laughs> but but yeah, right. So they're my two, and out of those, I would pick. There's more to life than this because it's it shows the dance influence, and it shows that there's already something brewing in terms of her influence. Uh, her interest in soundscaping and ambience but yeah if we're doing it your way around i mean that groove is in the heart i just i can't i can't unhear that now no. and the way that the influence that had on her particularly on debut and post um as marking marking a disconnect from from her previous work we saw the sugar cubes and and a fascination with with electronics and dance yes. music that were never has has never gone at all yeah and also that the fascination with because like mm. delight were more than just like electronics so electronic music mm. would had influence of disco of um of like had like bongos playing in the background had slide whistles and movies in the heart it's an eccentric track of loads of different influences mm. and but it's still dance it's still pop and it's still quite a popular track it is and i do see that side in the even though oh my god one time i went to a i went to a gay bar in liverpool and <laughs> i requested groovers in the heart and the person who's on the dj was like we only play camp tunes here mate and i'm like groovers in the heart is super camp like i was saying <laughs> yeah that's, that's, I, I mean it's that's, that's, anyway. i suppose it is but it's kind of it's um um, I think it came out as more something. quirky than camp. I mean, it's oh so quiet is, you know, archetypally camp, I think. Yeah. Whereas Groove is in the heart. It's a little more off kilter. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Which is why I see it being an influence. And mm. like mm. when you said um, more to life than this, I see there's more to life than this being influenced by Groove is in the heart. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's, okay. Let's let's. Should we put both in one? One of Bjorks and one of because we've got different approaches, but it's kind of like we all went for the same thing. In yeah. A way. We, we, you know, there's there's definitely yeah. a. I think that the influence of of dance music was mm. huge. 
um, mm. and how she could tie that to to something more more singer songwriter in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so on to uh, second category. To summarise pretty bluntly, I describe Bjork's archetype as being like really good Eurovision. Hmm. So um, I, I got it written down here, but like, say it's dramatic, strong. It's got this powerful adult-like delivery, delivery because she kind of roars on a lot of her tracks. But it's mixed also with this childish sense of wonder and awe. Mm. The music is sort of like blending electronic with the acoustic, where it kind of becomes interchangeable. And although it can involve an orchestra, it can get across an orchestral swooshiness. I'm not a musicologist, so I'm using words like swooshiness. Yeah, but it gets but, the message across, I think. Yeah. Yes, uh, it got a swooshiness. So basically, it's sort of like it's Bjork is like melodramatic and powerful and at times political. And that's how I describe like an archetype of Bjork. And my my choices reflect that. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So That's, what are your choices? Okay. Okay. So my first one is Mouth's Cradle from Medjugorje. Ah. Um, yes. Um, there's no orchestra within Mouth's Cradle as Medjugorje is, you know, for those who haven't listened to it, Medjula is almost an a cappella record with the exception of two tracks. And, but it's not, it's not like a pure a cappella record. It's sort of like she takes on different things like beatboxing and throat singing. And the post-production in Medulla does things with the voice, which you couldn't just do if she was just singing a cappella. Mm-hmm. And but Mouth's Cradle, it's it's got that sort of like that bold and swooshy element to it. Um, I mean, the coda to that track's amazing when it all builds yeah, up at like, the end. Yeah. Yes. And it's also that the, the message, like, there's the sort of like a, the, I don't know if you, you, you've looked at the lyrics of Mouse Cradle, but it's, she's sort of, she's breastfeeding a child and she's, uh, she's realizing, she's, she's saying that uh, she wants to, climb the teeth into the child's mouth's cradle and uh because to, to get away from the the messiness and the the violence of the mid noughties which you know there was a lot of um and uh, like at the end she just i think you can hear like a faintly says but she says like you know i wish to build an altar away from all the assams and bushes and it's sort of like i, I get that sort of like that swooshiness that that dramaticness that's not a word, dramatic, dramatic, um, melodramatic, bold. Like, I, I get that with Mouse Cradle. Mm. So, 
I know it's a weird choice because it's not one of the singles, but I just sort of, it feels very Bjorky to me. And you can use those teeth as a ladder up to mouth scraper, mouth scraper. You can use those teeth of follow me. And there's Vertebrae by Vertebrae from Volta, um, which is like, it's got the same dramatic quality of that orchestra mixed of electronic. Um, it, it's got dramatic lyrics. Um, yeah, the, the, some of the lyrics in that, like even kind of like basically body horror when you, when you listen to it. It's sort of like, you know, she's describing turning almost into a creature, you know, and I, I just, I get that sort of thing. My, my biggest I think the one that's most quintessentially Bjork and I think like that I see this as like when she was first like doing this sort of stuff it's either yoga or yoga oh yeah from homogenic I, I just sort of see those all those elements the sort of like that powerful delivery mixed with the sort of like the juxtaposed sort of childlike innocence of you know, like singing about a homeland and how much she loves it and the emotion of it. And I, I kind of see it as like... Yeah, she uses the word for his emotional landscape, doesn't she, in that? Yeah. Um, she seems to say it all. But... With, with homogenic, um, I see it as sort of like a reaction to her earlier stuff. She did a lot of stuff in London, I think, with like her first two albums... And her influences reflected it, and then they do sound very British records, don't they? Yeah, it's very much. You, you're right; they're bedded in with that, you know, trip hop and dance mm. pop sort of. You know, it, mm. yeah, I can hear that. But then, like, I just see yoga as sort of being like singing about her homeland, and I think she she went back to Iceland to sort of recuperate after a very traumatic incident involving a, a, an attempted murder by a stalker mm. uh, and she just went there to recuperate and just like compose herself and I see yoga as sort of being like a longing to be back there and longing to sing about her homeland and reconnect with herself loving her identity and uh, and uh, loving who she is mm. but also doing it with such power and emotion so I, I put yoga down, just my third choice.
This was almost in Influences and it got moved out to Archetypal. I literally have one for this. Mm. Um, and you'll see why it was also briefly in Influences. Um, it's Aurora mm. off uh, Vespertine. I think even more so, I think, than, than, than on Homogenic. Mm. Vespertine is kind of her love letter to, to Iceland and things. And this yeah. is about, you know, the... The, the northern lights and the you know it's full mm. of descriptions of the landscape but mm. at the same time it ties that back to the self and that again that was this this is almost an influence because again that's what i was saying about the kate bush connection yeah. <laughs> but it's a sort of ambient stylized soundscape where percussive string instruments and electronica meet mm. because she doesn't like strings for their sweetness necessarily they're very rarely used for that sort of lush quality she tends to prefer she particularly likes eastern stringed instruments mm. that are far more percussive and plucked and aggressive mm. in sound and she loves harps as well because they have that sort of percussive yeah. quality to them and the, a lot of these elements and this swimming in and out of, of electronic mm. and uh and, and, and acoustic instruments that you mentioned comes up here as well. There's the overlaid vocals, uh, which she loves doing. I mean, she even did that mm. way back in the, the Sugar Cubes. It was uh, yeah. uh, talking back and forth to herself. There's the irregular meter of melody um, mm. in terms of, especially during the verses, there is this ambient quality, this drift where mm. you rely purely on her vocal intonations to know where you are in bars. And sometimes that doesn't always give you the best indication because she likes yeah. to stagger where phrases mm. turn up. And it's, I realised listening through it, I mean, I must have heard Aurora, you know, about eight or nine times now uh, in preparation for this. But yeah. still, I'm surprised where the, the chorus lands each time because it never mm. lands in the same place and the emphasis is never at the same part of the bar, it would seem. this might be spoiling what happens later on in this podcast but I'm, I'm kind of i think a lot of vespertine is forgettable um but it but like i i, I need to dabble with aurora and I, you, you made me want to listen to more <laughs> well it's one that um, really sticks out to me because yeah. i i have issues with that record uh, i mean it sounds like yeah. you're going to bring that up in a little while so maybe i shouldn't uh, maybe we should leave okay. it till uh till later Sorry. on but um yeah so yeah that's 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 mine um I mean, what would you pick of yours to to be the front runner? Would it be yoga? Yoga. Um, I just think it's sort of a really good dramatic song, mm. but I don't mm. know. It... <laughs> just... As I say, I mean, it's weird because you seem to pick yoga for pretty much the same reasons I picked Aurora. They seem to bring up a lot of the same characteristics. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's tough. And almost part of me is like, well, it's, it seems a bit sacrilegious that yoga shouldn't be in a, like a best <laughs> elements category. Do you know what I mean? It's like no, yoga no. for God's sake. It's, so it's one of like a defining singles, uh, but I'm sorry. <laughs> how dare you? But no, I know the struggle and some of them could appear in several different categories, but you know, uh, hmm. I, you know what? Yeah. I'm happy with yoga. Because okay. you've, you, you've explained right. that so well in a way that, you know, well, it, it seems like kind of, I think I wasn't quite convincing you with Aurora, perhaps because it's sort of sunken into the the, 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 sort of the, the mass of Vespertine a, a bit in your like, mind, maybe. But I'm sorry. It's just like, if, if I remembered Aurora, <laughs> I probably would have loved it. Is mm. I, I remember Vespertine, the second half of the album gets a bit more interesting. I agree. I think the first <laughs> few tracks, I, I honestly think those first three or so tracks are really kind of, they're almost a little bit twee, I think. Yeah. I don't know whether that's the point, whether there's supposed to be a change in attitude. You may find out more about that later on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not just... a big fan of Cocoon, are you? Oh, I wonder why. Maybe it's because Björk is non-existent as a singer in Cocoon. Like, uh, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I admit I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be a huge defender. I think it's worth listening to, but I'm not. I'm not as bang on that album as a lot of people either. But anyway, without further ado, let's move on because uh, okay. yoga, I think, is as good a pick as any for that. Like earlier yeah. on, it sets the standard of like the drama and the power and the, the, the atmosphere as well. Melody. Yeah, like yeah. I, I just like when I think of New York, I think of that. And if that's what archetype means, then mm. you know, when I think of it, I think of that. <laughs> so right, okay. And also it's just it is a nice because it has a really memorable hook. Mm-hmm. It is a nice bridge between her more, I think like homogenic on the whole, it's a lovely middle ground mm. between her more experimental urges, uh, yes. what some people might describe as her more difficult urges, uh, and her, her more sort of more accessible earlier material. So yeah, right. What do you feel, Josh, are Bjork's best attributes in general? That's, you know. Well, uh, with influences, I think you kind of like did the same to me what I did to you with Archetype because I chose this more to life than this from debut uh, <laughs> for one of them. I think it's, just, it's, it's a weird concept for a song. It's basically, it's a club song about how clubbing is overrated and we should do something more eccentric. And I, but like there's some like genuine like ingenuity in twisting the genre and blending this sort of like acoustic and electronic elements together. Like mm. we said with the ambience, like I love when she just sort of like she seemingly leaves the club and then she's still talking to you about mm. what we're going to do. Like like I could make a boat and 
sneak off to this island. I could bring my little jato blast. There's more to life than this. Like, I, I love that sort of like ingenuity of mm. taking something that's popular and making it left, left, left field, sort of like unusual. Uh, but while still keeping the the accessibility of the of the core track because mm. it's a good it is a good song uh, it, as I say it's a damn yeah. good like dance pop track going on yeah it's, it's got this other it's it's like a sidestep it's got its own commentary it's uh, yeah, yeah. And that's why I think she shines because she's she's although she's like this avant garde singer she's still also within the realm of pop. Mm. And I think that that when she's able to sort of almost deconstruct pop, like with There's More to Life Than This, I feel like that's where she shines. Mm. Um, and I think that's her best elements in a way. Um, but on, on that note, a track for a similar reason I've chosen is, and I know it's going to sound like I'm, we're banging on about homogenic being amazing but it is like a really solid record it is um i chose alarm alarm call Ah. or yeah i just think like it's a really good pop hook like i love it and doesn't scare me at all I know fucking footage. This is light. I love it. I love it. Like I love how she swears in it. I think that's what I mean. Just throwing an f bomb completely casually from time to time, just for a little bit of added impact. Um, I think like where she signs is like this idea of like merging like the avant garde of the pub because it is kind of a weird record. Like the drums sort of like fading and out, and like it's kind of upbeat. You kind of dance to it but um, it's also got like i think archetypal elements like it's kind of political song but it's it's gets so melodramatic it kind of can get ridiculous but it's not in a bad way also a vocal's amazing on alarm call Even though you can look at it and think, okay, this is a very poppy Bjork, it shows what she's really good at doing. Mm. <laughs> um, and then the other one's a weird one. And I'm what you may call a Volta apologist because <laughs> Volta as a record is like a weird, like eccentric, diverse record. But I I love how it's sort of it's made and like it has like like abrasiveness, but then it's also merged with like orchestra and there's I mean it, it's disjointed as hell as a listener. Yeah. You gotta say. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like but I think it's disjointed, but there's like I think that's kind of the point 
Yeah. Possible. <laughs> um, and I've, I've chosen Wanderlust as mm. my third fine, like my third favourite, um, because I just I, I I love how dramatic and sweeping it is, and like like it's just got that same thing of like. And I, I see it as also like they got like like. I see you as someone who's able to like latch on to running trends, but like put her own spin on it. And I see mm. a lot of like mid noughties sort of like dubstep elements, not like the the aggressive sort of Skrillex sort of dubstep, but no. like scream and burial. I, I hear a lot of that in Wanderlust and sort ah, of like interesting. The, the 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 sort of like there's almost like a looming threat behind it. I'll be honest. I must say, I'm I'm not a particular fan of Volta, but I think right. <laughs> there are, you know, there are some sound design elements there that are just, you know, well, yeah. unorthodox to say the least. Mm. I love the use of horns on the record to yeah, kind of, you know, that there's well. that recurring motif of them sounding like, you know, distant Shit ships. Horns. Yeah, yeah like, I think uh, Volta is probably the most Bjorkiest Bjork album ever made. It, it's sort of like it's kind of like if you can make a stereotype of Bjork, it'd be Volta. Or... I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or I don't know if it's if it's how people would 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 see her. Maybe mm. it would perhaps for me be be you know I think post is like the stereotypical mm. Bjork. It might not mm. be the archetypical, but mm. archetypal. Sorry. Um. But yeah. Well, is it, I mean, as I say, Wanderlust, I think if I was going to pick, like, you know, a track from the album that I think is particularly strong, that's probably what I would go mm. for as well, because I think it is a genuinely really good track. Yeah. Uh, the, that album, my feelings really vary from track to track. The the Dull Flame Desire, I think, goes on for way too long. Like, it I does. I, know, I mean, it at least tries right. to elevate itself with some dynamism, but there's no excuse for how mm. long it goes on. I kind of, I must admit, feel the same way about Vertebrae by Vertebrae, which I mm. think I like. I love that striking horn sample it has. Mm. Da, 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 da. It's like, that's really mm. cool. I love her delivery, but it yeah. kind of doesn't go anywhere for me, kind of sonically. It yeah. just sort of stays very static. I'm a I'm a Volta apologist, but like, yeah, I can well, see what this is. <laughs> it really is. It, I I agree. I think it's worth listening to. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff on it. There's not another Bjork record that sounds like it, at the very mm. least. I just it, it is a it, it for me is kind of like a, a a very kind of mixed bag, and <laughs> it doesn't. I think it's not helped by the fact that. It might be deliberate, but it doesn't have the coherence of the surrounding records. Because I think, yes, with that, with the exception of Volta, from like homogenic onwards, her, her albums all seem to have this kind of really sort of solid yeah. arc and vision to them. Everything yeah. binds very nicely. I, th- I think it's the same. It, mm. it has the same issue that Post has, 
Yes. But I feel yes. like people excuse post more because it's it's got the beard they know on it. But anyway, we'll get to that part later. Yeah, yeah, I have issues <laughs> with that as well. Um, anyway, I'm, your I'm not going to be waving. I'm not going to be waving the post flag, even though it does have some songs I think are great on it. Uh, okay. Best elements for me. I was trying to think. Well, what what would I consider them to be? It's kind of this combination of uncompromising experimentation where it never feels like she's being, you know, hemmed in or forced into a sort of, you know, a, a pathway mm. she's not pleased with musically. Um, with this element of accessibility, you mentioned her hooks that are mm. always kind of, she's got a great ear for a catchy vocal hook, but she employs them in unorthodox ways. Um Another aspect was arrangements that are unexpected and that you probably have never heard before uh, or out of their regular context. Um, there's this mesmeric and slow-burning quality to her best work where it doesn't wear its hooks in the same way on its sleeve, but they're definitely there. But like a lot of the sort of best value music, if you want to put it that way, two or three listens in, it's kind of you, you, you get... You know, it's embedded. And that one, a track that I think really represents how well she kind of can navigate uh, the commercial and the artistic to do it really kind of crudely. Mm. And also how how unusual she is with arrangements, but how effective she is. Uh, Crystalline from Biophilia, oh. which I think is a magnificent track. And it has... I don't think I've I've ever heard outside drum and bass itself or outside. I mean, would you say it's drum and bass? Would you say it's dubstep? Is it more drum and bass? Um, I don't really I'd know. say it was like drum and bass, but it, apparently the, the kids nowadays call it breakcore. Um, so, okay. suppose, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd suppose elements of that. But is, well, but I'll, it, I'll, I'll, I'll sound really old fashioned and deliberately annoy the kids by calling it breakstep. <laughs> right. Break there's a, yeah, at the end, there's like, I don't think I've heard the break step done so well outside it's kind of you know constituent genres mm. and so effectively and it seems to fit the feel of the song it seems yes. to fit the tone of the song and it's it doesn't, really clever it's, it's for, for an artist who's never been associated with that end of dance uh, for it to come so naturally to the song as a development and be so thrilling when it does i mean it's such a cool breakdown at the end i absolutely mm. love it but even it's just got a great repetitive hook that is just enough to keep you going through these rather complex um, melody lines. And it's, I don't know, it's this combination of fascination and accessibility. Um, yes. I, I, I love that track. I think it's a, it's one of her great singles. And I think it just, it, it, like so much, so much of her stuff over the last decade in particular, it's, it's sadly slightly overlooked, I think. second uh is i had to give something from homogenic the mm. uh 
something odd because it has that album is just a wonderful balance of so many of her best elements, I think. And it was the track Unravel, which is not necessarily one that people would pick out as like, oh, it's one of the big singles, or not, but mm. it's just it's because it is quite subtle and restrained, I think, that I think it represents her so well that it doesn't stick out initially, but the more I've listened to that album, it's become one of my favourites. And um, it's got that, it, in many ways, it's for just the same reasons as Crystalline. It's got a, a sort of a, a vocal hook that entrenches itself in you, but it has that sense of drift. It's got a wonderful mm. sort of, a, a quite subdued arrangement that just knows how to use the the instruments it's chosen really effectively. Um, it has that combination of the of the ambient and the percussive mm. that kind of keeps it in this compelling sort of half world, um, and it's just as a, just as an arrangement as well. Just always with that track, I always I always wish it would last a little bit longer because just at the end of Unravel, there is this organ comes in for just this final recitation of the verse, and it's absolutely gorgeous this wonderful little crowning coda and then it just fades out and it's like three minutes long i'm like oh come on you could have you could have ah oh. but that's a good sign isn't it really when you just yeah. oh this it's is really rubbish it's far too short <laughs> final choice i've got uh, i think obviously one of her key strengths off the bat notable noticeable to most people her vocal ability the her versatility and experimentation as mm -hmm. a vocalist um the melding of vocals and music um but also uh, i think this track particularly represents her candor as a lyricist i mean a bit like mm. kate bush again kate bush mm. is an artist that's often seen as being you know weird and kooky and all these weird subjects mm. and all hippy dippy but both artists i think use the imagery they do rather than to obfuscate or keep people away from the meaning they use it to actually explain and make it more penetrating and so with an album like volnicura Mm -hmm. There is no mystique to the lyrics. It's the yes. most, there is imagery in it, but it's very direct in what it is trying to say mm -hmm. about the end of a relationship. And mm -hmm. the track I've picked off Fulnicura to represent both her vocals and how they work with the track and the just her candor and originality as a lyricist is Lion Song, Lion which I just song. think. <sighs> It's and so good. It is, and it's but it's really it's a really memorable hook that falls in no obvious place. Her timing must have been nearly impossible for people to play along with, but it makes it more compelling. And the fact that this really unique song that is very difficult in terms of its timing and tempo 
is so hard hitting because of her choice of arrangement and because of her choice of lyrics just says something to her strength mm. as, a, as a character and as an individual. Because, the, I mean, it's not remotely hard to ascertain what it's about. I mean, the hook that repeats is maybe he will come out of this loving me. Maybe he yeah. won't. And it's, and it really, I don't know. I just think all of these things that could be regarded as being weird or strange are actually all in the service of making you listen. Maybe he will come out of this loving me. Maybe he won't. I'm not taming love anymore. Maybe he will come out of this. Maybe he will come out of this. Maybe he won't. I'd have to go with Crystalline. I, I I think Crystalline is such a good track. It is. It's and brilliant. It's just single. Like, just, I just wish more people knew about what she'd been doing mm. since since the nineties. Like yeah. you know, like the like even like like Medulla and and like even Ella, even though Volta is a flawed record, there's so many cool elements happening yeah. in Volta. Yeah, it's worth and listening to. It's it just so. yeah, like it's just yeah, it surprises you. Volta surprises you. But I, I had to go with Crystalline. I just think Crystalline is just so, like, like I love it. It, it. It's so pretty, but then there's, like, an abrasive quality. And she's she just, she's clearly someone who knows and, and loves and respects electronic music by doing something like that. So She does, <laughs> and it's kind of, it's, there's, there's nothing obvious about it either, because there's, the, I mean, it's, there's no, there's not really any bass line or anything. It's just, nah. it's literally all percussion. Even the main percussive mm. element, the, uh, the the harmonic element, is a percussion instrument, mm. and it's it's great. It's uh, I don't know, and I think it, it reflects the themes of the track, which have this idea, like the whole of Biophilia, about kind of the you know the growth and change of the earth and how we connect to the earth, mm. and this percussive element, this drive through the whole track, it's kind of it's really tactile and. Mm. invigorating really because like, i feel like in a in a modern stuff she's more focused on making an experience rather than a song that's a really good way um, of putting it yeah i and, think certainly biophilia see, and, and yeah and and utopia definitely definitely get that. I, I see crystalline as sort of like being like a bridge between what she was doing with the likes of volta and medulla mm. and what she's doing now in a similar way to how um, homogenic was like a bridge between that. So, 
the worst elements of Bjork. The worst elements Josh. of Bjork. Okay, this is where I trash an album, two albums, whichever one looks. Um, <laughs> okay, so I think I remember saying that Post had the same issues that uh, what we thought had that Volta has. But I think it's kind of like easily to forgive it because it's it's everyone knows it more. Um, but uh, and it pains me to say this because I know the person who produced this track, Tricky. I really like his work, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Headphones is just a terrible song. And I'm sorry, but like it's like the the ending of Post. You've got Cover Me, which is really nice and has a similar tone to Headphones. And it's quirky and I like Cover Me. And then you've got Headphones, which is five minutes of Bjork singing nothing. Kind of like singing a whole lot of nothing over a beat that's non-existent. And that's why I hate Headphones. It's like, (laughs) I do not like Headphones. So, it's, it's not one of our most memorable joints, is it, really? But, um... <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, even though like Volta is like flawed, it leaves an impact, which I, it does. I there's, no, there's no track that's kind of like just bland and forgettable like headphones. If you like headphones, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got to say, post. I mean, I I think the first few tracks I think are great. I really mm. like the singles. I think Army of Me is great. Hyper Ballad is great. Uh, what's yeah. it called? Uh, modern, modern things. Other yeah. modern things. Yes. Yeah, I, I really like that, uh, mm. and I really like it's so quiet. And then yes. later on in the album, it kind of it doesn't really seem to. It kind of seems to lose any direction and it goes all a bit yeah. swimmy and i can't i really i've got a i don't know how many times i've heard this album I can really bloody remember anything after about that point but anyway yeah, i can remember i miss you i feel like i miss you perks me up hmm. and then and then it goes oh <laughs> <laughs> i don't even th- i don't even think isabel is that much cop people seem to really like that but yeah. I'm like, it's oh. it's kind of poor man's bachelorette i think but, yeah, yeah. You, uh, did, just, you mentioned that there's kind of you know it's almost like a uh, a precursor to that. But uh, yes, um, but like headphones. I just, I, I just, I despise it as a song. Like, I, 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 it just sort of ends an album in the most forgettable, bland way. And Bjork's basically singing rubbish. <laughs> it's she's singing it well, but it's like they put me to sleep, to sleep, to sleep, and it's like. What is this about? Why am I listening to this? Whose decision was it to end your album with this track? Because it's it's not good. <laughs> Do you think that this, you know, that also another negative about headphones is it's kind of it's like the final sort of nail in this 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 idea. I'm mixing my metaphors here of of her being just you know ooh, wacky, 
weird yeah. and wacky and all weird sound effects mm. and singing about because you know just ran whatever comes into her head and that's yes. how people tend to feel she approaches most things yes i mean like i know that there's some songs that she does which are like a weird and like abstract and flawed but they leave an impression which headphones doesn't and then that leads me on to my second pick which is cocoon <laughs> from vespertine it's like twee vocals mm. there's hardly any bjork on there she's she's singing but it's not bjork it's not there's no power or or character in the vocals it's just and it it, it and Vespertine's main issue is that it's kind of like, it's kind of like a soulless version of OK Computer. Mm. In a, and it, a lot of people sort of would like, say that's incredibly, you know, like that is a withering put down. But uh, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but it's kind of like, it's like turn of the century. We need to make something that sounds clean and icy. And that's, that is Vespertine. Mm. And she did icy and homogenic, but there was a soul, there was an attitude, there was a, there was, there was like a flair to homogenic, mm. which is not present in Vespertine. I hate to trash on that record, but it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, <laughs> but like, it's like, I, 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 I shouldn't be able to forget a Bjork record, but I forget so much of it. But I just, I just know Cocoon because she's so flat in how she does it. Well, it's just, it's a, I, I admit that I am slightly mystified by just how popular that record is. I mean, you know, rate your music. Uh, I've, I've, I've been a member of that site for many, many years. I think it's a, a, a really good site and a really good music community on there. It's got fantastic reviews for things like hip hop and stuff on there too. Uh, and some very useful lists for, for working out, you know, if, if you're looking for recommendations, but mm. used to be homogenic, I think, but gradually Vespertine has overtaken homogenic uh, to be the highest rated <laughs> Bjork album. And oh, I, no. I don't understand especially as she seems to have covered similar terrain. Um, if you'll forgive the slight pun there. Um, before and after, more effectively. So it's almost like, you know, you mentioned that a lot of the same textures are used more incisively on homogenic. And you could say the lot more of the emotional ground was covered more penetratingly on something like Volnacura. But, yes. um, but I just, I think there's just a, I hate to say this, it just sounds a bit bland in places. Yeah. Like Cocoon, like, it's, like, too, it's too normal. <laughs> and and, and Vornicura, like, it, it, there are elements of the album which I don't get, but I, oh, can, yeah. I can imagine in time Vornicura making more sense to me and being one of my favourite albums. I can't imagine that with Vespertine. Mm. Like, it, it, it's sort of like, I think... Vespertine, it doesn't take risks. It, it it's literally following a running theme that was happening within that time period of making it sound icy and overproduced and and 
I, I just I don't I don't see it as a as a risky, interesting record. It, it isn't. I mean, that's the thing that surprised me. It's like there's there's four years between homogenic and Vespertine. And it doesn't sound like it because there's nothing really fresh about the, the sound samples and things. And to be honest, it's kind of I'm I was alarmed. Uh, it it it, just, it seems to stick out because it is it's it in a lot of ways more accessible than homogenic. Yes. Uh, it's got lots of hooks and things on it, but they're rendered in a far less interesting way, like a hidden yeah. place. It doesn't seem to bloody end that song, yeah. and it's that. Oh, we go to a hidden place. Then you go to a hidden place. Then you go to, and it's like this is a bit, this is a bit plodding, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but Cocoon is just like that is enough to make you want to switch off the album. My final pick, it, I don't think it's a bad song and I don't think it's a bad track, but I see it as something that can either get you into Bjerk, like you, or can completely <laughs> turn you away. And I see that as oh so quiet. Mm. And I, I hate to say that, but there's the sort of like off... It's kind of like feels like it's deliberately weird. And I know, like, it's meant to be deliberately weird. But when she starts screaming mm. and, and stuff like that, I don't, like... I love It's So So Quiet. So maybe it's kind of a... I, I don't see it as something I, I absolutely despise, so maybe it's not meant to be here. But as for public perception, mm. It's So So Quiet has probably done more damage than, like, Vespertine. I completely agree with you about it. So, so quiet, you know, because I love that track. It's a hell of a lot of fun. It's completely misleading. And it's like, it's like a bloody sore thumb on that album. It's just, it, it, it's, it's like she's trolling, but I love it. I love that she's trolling people, but she's still she's trolling people. With it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, but, um, I love it. It's kind of like if you're weirdo, you love it. But if you're not, this isn't. This is going to turn you away. This track is going to turn you away because she's just like, yeah. I, th I think I think it's kind of. I think it's more the problem that you know. It, when I was a kid, I was like, I loved the energy of it and the video where there was the dancing, mm. you know, post watch and I was like, oh, this is great. What fun we're all having. And then the thing is, I I never heard the album. I probably wouldn't have liked it very much. 
Yeah. Um, because it's a complete one. It, it, it represents nothing off the rest of that album, which mm. is actually, aside from after you get over the first few singles, it's very kind of unusually commercially mm. programmed, that record, where all the singles are up at the beginning and then yeah. it goes into the wackiest stuff more and more towards the end. Um but I, I, I love Possibly Maybe. I love Possibly Maybe. That's probably my favourite track on the record. I think the commercial side, I don't mean that as any sort of discredit at all, is just done far more effectively and far more mm. solidly on the debut, or on debut, should I say. Yes. But, whereas this kind of, it feels like it's not quite one thing or the other. Whereas... I understand Volta is like has similar issues with being a kind of all over the place with tone. There are running motifs, like there are the horns, there are like this sort of like dramatic sort of like orchestra orchestral element to it that mm. binds Volta together. Mm. Um, I don't see that coherence in post. No, I mean honestly, it is it is very jarring when it's so so quiet comes in every time. I'm surprised mm. when that song comes in because it sounds like it's been stapled in from somewhere else. Yes. You made the comment that it sounds like it's been stapled in from Glinklow, but <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I think it's a shame because like she's done so many good jazz stuff prior to that in, in debut. Like I, I love Aeroplane. Mm-hmm. Um I love um that that what is she in like she did another jazz song, didn't she? It... Right at the end. Yeah, what's it called? Uh oh, it's like um like someone in love. It's like someone in love. Like that's a lovely cover, track. Like, that. Yeah, beautiful. Like, like she was doing jazz mm. and it was working. And post with it's so so quiet. It just seems like a meme of what she was novelty. doing. Yeah, it's like novelty. Yeah. novelty jazz. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst Bjork song, but I see it's the song that's done the most damage. Like uh, people I know who hate Bjork hate that song. But um, but like her stuff that, that is the most basic and boring to mm. me, I see it like like most of Vespertine. I I I just I see that as more problematic in general. But so I'm, I'm I need to be swayed on this. What's your opinions on what's your uh, picks? <laughs> Are you going to make me mad? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. Mm, oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think I think it very much actually reflects one of them at least. Very much reflects something you've just you just said. Um, right. There's this another thing that I feel plays very much into people's idea of of, of Bjork is this sort of you know oh isn't she weird? Isn't this all strange and wacky and strange vocal noises? And very very little of her stuff is actually like that. Yeah. Um, so when it is like that, it's almost annoying because it plays into the conception of it. Uh, and one song on, I really like Medulla. I think it's a really good album. Um, I think it's quite underrated. Ancestors. Ancestors. Yeah, your face says it all there. There's a reason why. <laughs> I know Ancestors. I, I must admit I like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Really? I, Yes, <laughs> I I like it. I, I I like the the there's almost something tribal and, and powerful behind it. Like the like okay. I don't know. I I, I like the. Uh, it, it's definitely not something I'd recommend to people, but I think if you like 
like that if, if you want to like experience more than just a nice sound to hear like this almost like this reconnecting reconnection with nature which i see ancestors as yeah um, it makes sense thematically i i kind of like I, I wouldn't say like that's a good track to showcase the album and i feel like you know, knows that because it's you know there's no lyrics behind it there's no but i think as setting the tone i kind of dig it so i'm gonna have to disagree with you there with ancestors fair enough i just i kind of i just (laughs) i think it's just uh, it's one of those things that is so interested in effect that Mm. i kind of i'm like it just i i just find it kind of a it, mm. it, it just ends up feeling like a bunch of sound to me for its own sake. And I'm a bit like, mm. maybe could have done with a little more of a through line because it's not really got a, it's not really got a backbone to it, has it? No, I understand that. But it's sort of, I see it as just, maybe it's best not to see Ancestors as a song as such. It's like, you know, when we were talking about Aphex Twin last time, uh, Drugs is a weird disjointed album with lots of mm. bits stitching the songs together. Mm. Um, but those bits make the album like you, you want to hear Richard's parents wish him happy birthday before the father kicks in and it's like... And, yeah, but that, yeah. that doesn't last four and a half minutes, does it? <laughs> no, but I... I I do see a benefit in ancestors. Okay. But like, okay. So I disagree with you there. Well, let's agree. To Fair enough. No, I'm just, <laughs> okay. I, I'm always fascinated when people seem to, I mean, I, a lot of my picks for this are ones that some people like, I go on, write your music and they absolutely love these tracks. And I, I don't yeah. understand. I just don't understand them. hear me out triumph of a heart because i like the song but the thing is Mm. it's so obsessed with its own effects that it actually distracts Mm. from the song i think like there's too much going on and why it's like they've been allowed to go all out with anything to do with the vocals whether it fits the mood of the song Mm. or anything and so it's almost it's emblematic of it that in two of the choruses Somebody's just going, and I'm like, why? That's just stupid. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? There's the cat in the music videos. <laughs> really? Yeah, like the music video. I've is not like seen really the video, br- but it's brilliant. Like she's got a cat husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, trying for the heart. Um, I can understand it's sort of like kookiness and like that would turn people off. But it's a good song as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was like, never going to be. That was never going to be the winner. 
for this uh, because it is a good song. I agree. It's just I think it's it. Some of the surface elements are a bit distracting, and yes. I think I don't think that's sort of as egregious as it is with a track off. Uh, we were talking about aspects of Volnicura being difficult. Mm. Family of Volnicura. Now, I love the first four tracks on the album. I think Black Lake's a fucking yes. masterpiece. Mm. And then it comes to the second half of the album, mm. where these are songs that in their theme and what they're expressing are quite direct. And I think in some ways they yes. should be rendered to that regard. And I find Family, like a lot of the second half of the album, needlessly overcomplicated with sound mm. clutter, with production clutter, all sorts of sounds going on the place. Can't really yeah. focus on what she's saying. Um, and I think uh, almost there's a sense of annoyance that kind of mm. should be, it's like this should be more direct in a way. That's purely my own supposition, but also there is always a slight sense of annoyance that if the album carried on on the same keel as the first half, it would be like mm. one of my very favourite Bjork albums. See, I think Volnicura gets better. I feel like it's not as straightforward as that, but I do see family as a slump. Mm. I do see family as something. The, the issue with... this this elements of family I like... Um. Like I love when like the 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 eccentric string arrangement kicks in. It's like it's almost like wicked listening to it. Um, and I, I I'm open to family warming. Like I'm open to family like brimming with me. And like maybe Volnicura is something people look back upon within like five years and think that was actually surprisingly deep and great album. Hmm. It's just hard to pick up. Bjorkata worst is when she gives you nothing to work with. Mm. And which is why I I can't really go with your suggestions. And I'm sorry, but it, it, it gives something to work with. Yeah, it, as I, said, it, I can't argue with that. I mean it's it's, it's divisive, mm. but it gives you something that you can grasp onto and you may warm up and you may like it within like a year's time maybe so you know? i'm i think as i really hope so with mm. uh with with the rest of volnicura because that's the thing mm. it surprised me that there are people who really like the second half of volnicura as mm. in 
And somebody went on Rate Your Music specifically to comment on how much they loved Family and it was their favourite song. And I'm like, uh, and I, I realise it's like, I just, I don't get it. The connection that they have with the song, I don't understand, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's something that will be cultivated. I, I feel like not getting it mm. is good because like, if you don't get it, you may get it in the future. It gives you something to work with. Yeah. As but opposed to like, it, I know all these elements. I know what this is doing. It just doesn't work for me. That's a different thing, isn't it? Which is why I can't mm. really go with your choices. And I, I can't go with one of my choices, to be honest, because I just, I can't trash it so, so quiet. Because I, I feel like even though it is a divisive track, it's a divisive track. It leaves an impression. And I feel like a lot of the ones that we've chosen are ones that leave an impression still, but and, and, and can go either way depending on the listener and their preferences and how much time they spend with the song. I can't say the same about headphones or cocoon. Yeah, I I, I think you've 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 justified that pretty well. Um yeah, um it's I think it's gotta be one of those two. And do you know what? Because it is just so kind of nothingy and so sort of wacky, uh, and it comes on that album that has formed people's perceptions of Bjork to mm. such an extent. I, I'm inclined to go with headphones because it's pointless. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say headphones because I, I love Tricky's output. I think Tricky is a phenomenal producer. Mm. I love to do one of these, uh, like a future one of these podcasts on Tricky um, because there's just there's so much like that the Tricky is kind of like he has like an imperfect approach to things but when he hits it he hits it so hard and it's amazing um, but headphones is a misstep headphones I think that's yeah tricky, headphones yeah. solid yeah. solid pick <laughs> So now, right, for our final one, where is she now? Josh. Okay. Um, you're free to disagree with me this. You probably might. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I see Bjork as... Um, if I say Baroque pop or chamber pop, do you, mm -hmm. does that... Do you get what I'm coming from when I say that? Yes. I, yes, I do. I don't see her just doing that but i see her as like almost pushing the genre into different avenues and i that excites me to be honest mm -hmm. I, I like you know this this genre of music which was you know started in the 60s with you know beatles and things like that, just having like a you know string instruments making pop songs and then uh was revived a bit in the 90s with the likes of a uh, divine comedy and and, mm. and stuff like that and it basically for those who don't know it's 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 using traditional music uh 
but in a less grandiose way is like having a full orchestra and mm. it's sort of like making like almost like a, a pop element to it uh, or brick pop element to it and i i see uh Bjork's, uh current stuff as taking it and instead of doing something that is sort of like you know music inspired by you know rock and of the 60s and the 90s but with you know string arrangements involved she's saying what would chamber music sound like in the year 3000 and i, I get that sort of vibe you've got like sort of like it's it's not like yoga when you you, you can feel you're in like you're surrounded by like a huge orchestra mm. like i mm. think like in utopia she's holding a flute and it's it's just sort of like an alien holding a flute and that's what the vibe i get from her stuff it's like it's like uh, almost like a pure like like i said there was like a reconnection with the earth with biophilia but then there's also sort of like a, a futuristic element oh yeah and one, one of my <laughs> yeah one of my elements i chosen for that uh one sock track i feel represents that is mutual core mm. from biophilia and uh, the, the idea of like futurist like the idea of like having like a harpsichord and then but then you've got like drum and bass just mm. building up and, and coming out and I, I just i love it like it's sort of like no like this this isn't like the baroque pop like i'm used to and like you know the fact that wikipedia can just say oh it's baroque pop it's not it's it's so much more than that so mm. much interesting stuff has been done with this genre which you think has been done to death but it's being done in such a creative way. Can you hear the effort of the magnetic strife shuffling of columns to form a mutual I also see it with um, Utopia with the track Sue Me. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I love, like, the, the whole... You can hear, like, flutes in the background and what this, like, heavy, like, drum and bass vibe and, like, it is, it's alien... So but that's sort of like futuristic baroque pop. I'd mm. say that's where it's going. So like for the purpose of us knowing what we're talking about, I'd say sue me. It's almost like aliens have discovered music in the 1600s and like and it's so cool <laughs> i love it and i love that direction <laughs> yeah i mean it is yeah I, i'd never forward to that connection before but there is that you know another aspect of chamber 
pop even back in the 60s was the use of percussion instruments like that harpsichord mm. and things and yeah. well she's never really that obvious with it she likes instruments that have a similar plucked character yeah. to them and it does have that sort of aloof sort of vibe mm. to it as well because it combines something that's quite alien with something that's very archetypally human just rendered in an unusual way i mean the uh the flute is a very mm. you know uh, very directly you know human air based <laughs> instrument so it's about as earthy as you can get and it's one of the oldest instruments in the world as well i think yeah. but uh, at the same time it's rendered with really unusual jagged harmony mm. her interest in soundscaping has kind of uh, only elevated with this one she's yeah. got she's working with arca i think the produ- producer yeah, called yeah like another weird unusual one. i you know like and i love it yeah, I mean, it I, sounds I magnificent, her. but um, very interesting and very... I uh, think the about Bjork is that, like, she's mm. been doing this for so long now. Mm. And most artists that have been, you know, doing stuff on a solo basis for 30 years, they would not still sound this fresh. No. But she is still... She, she is still sounding... And, and developing her style. And she's becoming more challenging as she goes on, which mm. is unusual, I think. And, and that's where kind of like the, she really does continue to smudge the line between, you know, you know, quote unquote, classical or art music and pop. Mm. You know, I'm using air, lots of air quotes here because I hate these mm. sort of broad genres, but, mm. but it's true that kind of she's not, she, she, her creativity does not seem to have dulled at all. Mm. And in fact, if anything, she seems to be pushing herself further each time Mm. Um, and pushing. And she always expects a lot from her listeners, but I get the impression it's kind of that's why her fan base is so rabid and always up because they they take the time to hear what she's putting Mm. out, you know, because it can take effort. It really can. Mm. (laughs) But um, I I was going to suggest just in a more, a far more simplistic way, actually. I was going to just tabula rasa off the off the mm. new record. Um, again, just harking back to that, uh, it, it weds a lot of thematic things together. This this element of the of of nature and uh, and nurture effectively being drawn together of humans having needing to have a better relationship. There's been an increasing eco centricity. Uh, in her releases over the last decade, yeah. As I say, we keep drawing biophilia and this together, but they have they have certain kinship. Mm. Um, you might regard biophilia as the as the rocket journey or the departure from Earth to get to Utopia in some strange way, because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of spacey drifting in uh, in biophilia. I love. I do that. see that as like setting the stage of what she's doing now, biophilia, yeah. because it's so different to Volta and so different to. Um, like medulla and that it's, mm. it's like it, it it's its own beast yeah. it is i mean I, I honestly i find it quite hard to to connect uh medula, medula that that one and uh volta to the things mm-hmm. that surround it because they are so completely different as releases um from anything else so mm. it's um it almost makes more sense to um to go from vespertine to uh, biophilia, oddly, stylistically. Yeah. And I, I'm not suggesting you know that you do. <laughs> I'm just saying, because, I mean, I actually, I prefer, certainly I prefer uh, Medulla to um, 
Just skip Vespertine. I don't go that far. I do think <laughs> that there's good stuff on that. And I, do you know what? I will say this. I think it's solid. I just don't think it's... it's solid? I don't think it's... Well, I said to you, I think, and I can't really phrase it better than I did when I put it in the text, to be honest, was... Uh, it's not as interesting as their later stuff and it's not as fun as their earlier stuff. So <laughs> take that. I think, I think it's a nice record, but I don't want it to be nice. I no. don't want Bia to be nice. I want yeah. her to either be funny and eccentric or challenge me in some way. And I don't get that with it. It feels like it was made by robots. Don't skip Vespertine. Just lower your bar for like the first 20 minutes like that that's what i'm just gonna say okay so we need to choose what is like i feel like we're on a similar wavelength of like natural but then like earth like but then also like weird and electronic so what do we pick <laughs> right uh do you know there was another point in mine and this links into one of yours that i didn't mention yeah for uh just to make it slightly more timely, maybe, uh, in Tabula Rasa, there's mm. the aspect that very presciently um, it seemed to predict the zeitgeist that would just hit, which was the Me Too movement um, yes. and the whole Harvey uh, Weinstein uh, fiasco. And that literally was in a, within a month of a release of Utopia. Mm which deals with this, like on Tabula Rasa, very directly deals with this need to, quote-unquote, escape the fuck-ups of the father. And, you know... We love uh, a good F-bond from the author. Well, you know, when it's needed. Um, yeah. And it, Tabula Rasa, again, as you were saying, has a very chamber pop aspect as well. With yeah. the, um, but it's but, out there. It's it's weird. I, I love it. I, I love Tabula Rasa. Tabula Rasa. Oh, my God, Tabula Rasa. Tabula Rasa. However, I don't think it embeds all the elements of mm. running thing like but then it, it's kind of it's got that chamber pop aspect to it but i think we also can't discount the fact that a huge chunk of what she's doing now is drum bass mm. and like that's sort of like and that's where i see that in sumi i see that in sumi mm -hmm. of like this is what she's doing and it's still dramatic and it's still bold but it's still got that chamber element to it but i don't see that in tabula rasa even though i love tabula rasa i don't see it as a general yeah i think i was getting rather too hung up on the themes of the mm. of the lyrics with tabula rasa i think i think maybe we could compromise then on sumi because I think yeah. it's it's a nice cross because i would say that while she does have drum and bass elements in there i think on utopia the rhythmic elements mm. are, mm. are, by and large, very subdued. Uh, it's a very drifting record. It's very melodic and yes. based on soundscapes. As I say, it's far more ambient. But um, so, yeah, yeah. The direction I think she's going in though is like you can you can't gauge what direction she's going to go in because no. each album sounds differently. But as a running theme that she's been doing for like the past ten years is that sort of like chamber with drum bass aspects. Mm. 
And you've been hearing. I suppose that. there was even a bit of that in Volnicura as well, wasn't there? On mm. like Black Lake, and the sort yeah. of, you get these pulsing breakbeats and things. Yeah, and yeah, mm. yeah. So, assuming, would you would you be assume, happy with assuming? Assuming, yes. I'm sorry. I feel like most of my picks have been chosen, but it's just like no. As I, look, uh, I've got to say, <laughs> you have. I think you have, have given far more convincing arguments than me for this. Uh, uh, um, okay. You've shown me up this whole time. <laughs> Mr. Musician. Who's to say what she's going to do next? She could do like, I don't know, Sea Shanty, probably now. <laughs> that would be interesting. I would discount that. <laughs> she goes right back to her roots and just does a punk album. That'd be interesting. <laughs> but it could happen. Anything could happen. Yeah. I'm glad I've done this because it's honestly made me look out for Bjork and Future and, and see what she's doing next because mm. she's clearly not past her prime. No, I think she's just, she's just she's just changing. And I think, as I say, rather mm. like Kate Bush, I hate to keep, it seems like such an obvious comparison mm. to draw. But I think in a similar way, I think Kate Bush had it right in that she, you know that whatever she releases will be worth listening to because she will mm. only release something sporadically and it will be when a big idea takes her. And so they're just the same, like the last few Kate Bush releases have sounded nothing worse, like each no, other. Right. Yeah, I mean that that came out of nowhere. So, yeah, and it, it's so weird. It's like it, it's not, it is not Wuthering Heights. It is not <laughs> Rock That Hill. All of her albums sound different. I mean, the only ones yeah. that sound even remotely similar, the first two, because they were basically done mm. within the year of each other while she was on tour. It's really like a lot of second albums. It was just the off cuts, yeah. really. But, but no, it's, and I think, I don't know. I I think I don't think I think there are very few pop musicians who've handled handled success as well as Kate Bush actually she's been incredibly mm. sensible by how much she's mm. uh, managed her personal life and professional life um a lot of a lot of musicians could learn from that mm. but um but yeah it just looks like Bjork's kind of taking things in a similar sort of way she doesn't rush anything but right okay let's so what just songs we chosen again <laughs> right the final ones we decided on uh, to hand over to uh, this 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 fic- fictional philistine uh, were for influences. We had a, a twofer, which was a an influential song and a song that was influenced. Uh, Groove is in the heart and uh, by Delight. And uh, there's more to life than this. The archetypal Bjork. We uh, we settled in the end on. What was your choice for that? Yoga. It was yoga. For what we felt to represent the best elements of Bjork, we settled on Crystalline. Crystalline. I love it. (laughs) It's a classic. Uh, For her worst elements, uh, headphones. Have have fun with that one. (laughs) Yeah. um, Try not to pour sleep. Um. Yeah. Maybe that was the point. Maybe it was her first <laughs> full-on ambient exercise by accident, but um, oh. and uh, 
finally, for where she is now, it's Sumi from her most recent album, Utopia. So, yeah, fantastic. Now, a formidable artist to try and cover. I found that incredibly hard to pick mm. those, to choose those, because there's a tremendous sense of consistency and purpose to her work. Mm. Um, but, I, yeah. I think she needs more um, recognition from a lot yes. of people. Um, sort of a... I don't want her to just be known as that weird Icelandic girl. Yeah, yeah. And because there's so much going on with her stuff mm. and it, it just sort of cheapens it. Like <laughs> It does. I think it helps if you can, if people can regard that as almost something else that she, she, she moved on from. I mean, I love I love debut. It's actually one of my favourites of hers, mm. but it is as I think we've we've both sort of mm. asserted. It's it's something different. Mm. It's from a different time, and it represents a different aesthetic. It it could not be any more different in the world from what she's been doing over the last ten years. But I just think that people need to catch up with what she's yeah. been doing over the last ten years. Because to be quite honest, some of the low ratings I've seen for the last 10 years uh, output of hers is, is quite shocking. Um, yeah. I mean, Biophilia was not met with good reviews and I find that... I don't get Outrageous. Why, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, It's yes. probably at the wrong time. Yeah, I Maybe. think people were expecting something else and they got, you know, sort of like Mother Earth singing about space and like... Yeah. That was probably not what they wanted, but I... Why not? That's all I want yeah. now. <laughs> I love that record. It's one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, I highly recommend listening. For those at home listening, I highly recommend listening to her work. And because, mm. you know, for the most part, you're going to feel challenged, but she's going to do it in such a beautiful way. Mm. Mm. And, like, you know... That's why you need to listen to Bjork. <laughs> one of those artists, I think, I found this that, you know, at first I, I found if I found some of the, the latest stuff a bit more, you know, a bit too inscrutable, a bit too difficult. But I realised that mm. I kept going back to it and there were little elements that kept me going. Mm. And by the time I was firmly, like, engaged with, with that, a lot of the poppier stuff had kind of lost its luster. I realised I was looking to be challenged by her. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of, you, you just change your aesthetic as you go through, I think. Thank you for having me on your show. And uh... Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I say, kind of, <laughs> I think you, you argued your choices so well in this that I was I was pleased because I think a lot of my analysis was, was found wanting. I think maybe that if you catch me again on Bjork in a few years' time, I will probably be more yeah. <laughs> on the ball. But... I think Sorry. I think you, you carried a lot of the weight for this this episode, so thank you very much, Josh. For yeah, this. I, I'm I'm just I'm just confused as you are with some of the work. It's just <laughs> I, I'm I like being confused. I don't like not being given anything to chew on, and yeah. like you know that that, that's sense. where she's at her worst. But, uh, mm. but anyway, it's been lovely doing this. And indeed, uh, see you later. <laughs> yeah, and thank you everybody for tuning in, uh, and I. Uh, hope to see you again sometime in a figurative sense anyway thanks all <laughs> take care <laughs> bye now take care bye